Welcome to the Strategic Slut Podcast. I'm Courtney, and I'm here every Monday to cover all things sex, money, confidence, dating, growth, and mindset to help you consciously evolve and live an intentional life. I am passionate about empowered choice and questioning the world around us because let's face it, we're all sluts for something or someone, so let's be strategic ones. Hello, friends. Happy Monday. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Ontario friends, I hope you are keeping well. Guys, Ontario's a fucking shit show right now. I'm just going to say it. If you have been listening to my last few podcasts, I've talked about the state of COVID here, but it's gotten real bad, and I think a lot of us are collectively struggling. Um, It's very frustrating. The way that our government has failed us has been more than infuriating now that we're over a year into it, and I think that this episode that we're going to about to get into um really touches on mental health and we get into a little bit about the lockdown and how it's also impacted that as well so um just trigger warning up top for anyone who um can be sensitive to topics around depression anxiety suicide losing a friend to suicide anything along those lines because we do get really raw in this episode. Um, So today I have my friend Alexa and we met at university and have been friends for a few years and she came on the podcast to share not only her journey with mental health but we got to just go off one another and have a conversation about what we've both experienced, um, some really messed up institutional experiences um, within university and just lack of help and support and I think through these conversations, it's really important because it helps continue to destigmatize things that we just need to talk about more. We need to normalize conversations like these to really help repair the um, perpetuated narratives around mental health, specifically different mental health issues that people and the media and all those things have made to be crazy and stuff like that. And I think that with these conversations it helps always just give perspective on what someone could be going through and maybe paints a different picture than what you ex- what you would have um, when thinking of mental health issues so I hope you guys enjoy this episode I hope you you know take something valuable from it I know for me like this is something I really have not talked about in depth so it's a little bit more of a vulnerable one for me and I want to thank my girlfriend Alexa for being so vulnerable as well on this podcast episode it was a really beautiful conversation and honestly like we could have talked to each other about this for another two hours we just really got into the gritty raw real shit on mental health so I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it Today, I have my very good friend Alexa on the podcast today. We met at Western University, and I'm so excited to bring her on to discuss all things mental health, friendship breakups, and all the other tangents I'm sure we'll get into. So Alexa, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me as well. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I don't think you've been on a podcast before either, have you? I have not. I've recorded my own for like research and stuff, but completely different than what you're doing. <laughs> See, I love to pop a podcast cherry. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Pop mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so just to like give the listeners kind of an overview of like who you are, can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Sure. So my name is Alexa. 
um, I went to Western with Courtney. I studied an honors criminology program. And now I have ventured into my profession. I am going to be working as a police officer. Um, and I'm super passionate about it. Um, other things, anything that's interesting about me, I used to do YouTube. And that was a big thing of mine. I loved it so much. So <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yep. No, thank you. I'm so excited for you. And um, it's so funny because I guess we have to give credit where credit is due. We met through my old roommate, Caitlin, um, and she's one of my best friends as well. So we had like a funny meeting. We met in first year. I remember us meeting at the Gracie bar in downtown London. <laughs> and Caitlin's like, you have to meet this girl, Alexa. <laughs> and it's really funny seeing us like both grow up over the year. So it's really cool. But um, I guess like, let's kind of get into what we wanted to discuss today was mental yeah. health. Um, I don't know, maybe I I'll start sharing kind of my own experience with it, um, to kind of just set the floor. So for me, like I've always dealt with mental health struggles. Um, I've been like diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I don't take medication for it. Um, I feel like it's important to say that not to stigmatize medication further, but to also just say that like, for me, that just wasn't my journey. Um, I've struggled with panic attacks and, uh, really bad episodes of depression since I would say high school. Um, I also was dealing with sleep insomnia and, um, I, I would say that endometriosis also deeply affected my mental health, dealing with a chronic health issue that was highly gaslit in the medical industry and not getting help for five years. So there's a lot there. Um, and this pandemic's been rough on me. So I know that as for most, so what we really want to do here with this podcast is to help not only break the taboos of discussing mental health, but also normalize these conversations, because I think we can really learn a lot from people's experiences. So that's kind of a little bit of background about where I have, you know, struggled with mental health and then, you know, having family members in the, um, in my past also deeply struggle with addictions and suicide and all that stuff as well. So it definitely, even though it hasn't been my direct experience, it's still within the family as well. For sure. And I have, okay. So I have a question for you about medications. Was it, were you given it both for depression and anxiety or was it for separate? Yeah. I, I think I remember in high school, they gave me a different, we tried a couple different ones. And honestly, this time of my life is kind of blurry. I feel like I almost blocked it out, which is kind of weird, mm -hmm. but I just remember being on medications that I didn't like. I didn't like how they made me feel. And at the same time as me starting a couple different, like we were trying a different ones. Um, I was seeing a counselor as well. And I, I was finding that therapy was more helpful and I just hated taking the meds. And I just remember, cause I also, my family doctor is absolutely trash. So, um, she was never there. Like she was never the one treating me. So I always had like random doctors serving me when I would call my family doctor. So I remember my mom being really concerned about my mental health and she took me to the doctor. I finally like said, you know, okay, like I'm willing to seek professional help. And it took me like a long time to get there. So that's why I'm making mm -hmm. kind of a deal about it. So, um, we went to go see the doctor and it's this random doctor from my family, like doctor's office. And she just said like, don't be sad. Here are these pills. I'm not kidding. kidding? I'll never forget. <laughs> she said, don't be sad. 
okay, yeah, that fixes everything. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like I wasn't even really open to eat. Like I didn't want to take the medication one because medication always freaked me out. And I think I was just internalizing a lot of the stigma that's around it, but mm-hmm. then also not feeling confident in what I'm actually taking and not feeling empowered with the knowledge of like what I'm, what I'm being prescribed, why I'm being prescribed it you know, what the game plan is moving forward. Like I wasn't given any of that information. And at this time I'm like 16 or 17. So I really wasn't uh, confident in really going up against doctors and like really, you know, second guessing all their ways of doing things. So that's where I was at. And then um, I actually was prescribed a very low dosage of antidepressants in fourth year because I had really bad TMJ. Um, Mm. which is like a jaw issue, which I ended up getting Botox for, but I was trying an antidepressant because the doctor at Western wouldn't give me a prescription for Botox for the jaw. Like it was for a medical thing. There's no, like, I mean, I think you get a slight contour from it, like cosmetically, but it's actually for a medical issue. And my jaw, like it would be so tight when I would wake up, my TMJ was so bad that I would wake up and like, couldn't open my mouth. So I was diagnosed with, or not diagnosed. I was prescribed a very, very low dosage of antidepressants that was supposed to apparently help with that. It's supposed to help with chronic pain. And he knew my history with endometriosis and stuff. And even just like the lowest dosage made me feel so not myself that I didn't like it, but that was just for me. And it might still be my internalized feelings of like the stigma of it. So I don't know. Um, I definitely, the people I know who have dealt with really bad, like mental health issues and different disorders and things like that, um, are on medication. And I'm so for that if that's what they feel is okay. But I feel like the way that I was introduced to the medication were not in an empowered way. So I felt very off put by them from the get go. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it is one of those things where it's like, you get it. And some of them can work so well, and some totally cannot. Like, Mm -hmm. I've experienced a full spectrum of those. And it's like, I have a love hate relationship with them. Because when you're on them, it's great. It's so good. But sometimes it just doesn't, it's just not doing it for you. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's difficult to find, especially with lack of knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. Can we give like a background on kind of what you've maybe experienced a little bit as much as you're willing yeah. to share? Well, how are I'm willing to share everything? Well, not everything, you know what I mean? But I won't go in depth about it, but um whatever you want to share. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. So yeah, when I was 14, I noticed I had symptoms of like depression and I went to my mom, I ended up going to the doctor diagnosed with major depressive disorder when I was 14, come around to age 15 or 16, I was diagnosed with social anxiety as well. Um, and then when I was 16 years old, my, one of my best friends since like the day I was born, um, died by suicide. And so for me with that whole situation, I went into a really bad mental state, um, but also kind of made me realize I need to be strong by myself. Um, And because like nothing that you, everyone that you know, like it could just be just tell everyone that you love them and basically like be strong on your own because you never know who's going to leave. So going through that was really difficult. Um, And I went on some medications because of that. How old Um, are you when your friend passed? I was 16. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And so like a month before that, I had my own mental health crisis 
So I kind of felt guilt towards it. And I still do to this day. It's something that's never going to be done with. It's going to be, I have to be at peace with. Mm. Um, but following that, I definitely struggled with, I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD later on. And oh, wow. I do have pretty bad OCD. Um, so all of those combined obviously does not help. Uh, but going into university, you know, still carry some of those feelings and traumatic, like trauma responses with me. So I was able to kind of work through that, uh, therapy, like you said, honestly has really, really helped. And to this day, I still struggle with all four components, PTSD, not so much anymore. That was more like at first. Um, but definitely like the OCD anxiety came from that too. So I'm currently, um, mentally that state, it's, it's a whole, that's a whole nother ball we're game. Here. <laughs> but we're here. We're living, we're kind of thriving, yeah. um, making frozen pizzas for dinner. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, I went on some new medications, um, about two months ago. I really don't like them. So I've called okay. to get them changed. I was off them for almost like two years. Uh, oh, wow. But just kind of, it got to a point where I was like, I'm too low where I cannot function can't properly. To, like without. naturally come out of it. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. Well, good yeah. for you. And I'm for all about yourself in that yeah, moment you. of that. Cause that's hard. That's hard to admit. Like, I don't think that I can yeah. do this. Yeah. Yep. And I meditate, you know, do yoga, work out. I do everything I'm supposed to. I'm a, I'm going to be a freaking cop. Like I, <laughs> I know where I'm at. But sometimes you just got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, I need this and it's okay to follow through and go get it. Yeah. And it sounds like you took something that's really obviously something that's a huge part of your life and something that's still part of your trauma, losing a friend at a young age, like that, that's fucking awful. I can't even imagine. So to take that and want to go now help the world, I think, you know, that's a cool thing to kind of take your pain and, and turn it into something that could be very beautiful. hundred percent. Like even we've been talking about how, when you, why you want to be a police officer, why you want to do all these things. And at the end of the day, for me, I just wanted to make a difference because mm-hmm. he felt like he had nobody and I would have loved to bid it for him. And obviously I wasn't at the time completely different mental state, mm-hmm. but just knowing that I could help people that are at that point and just coming full circle and just being able to repay that back to my community, I think is, it's something that was definitely fulfilling for me. And I felt like I need to chase. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love you for that. And I think that, (laughs) I think that it's hard to admit something that's taken so much of your life, like, you know, to have such pain and to see that and like turn it into something like really take action with it, I think is a very, um, I don't know, maybe defining is what I want to say, like quality, because I think a lot of people, and it's not to judge other folks, but I think that some people can take something and just like, take it as a negative, like everyone's going to leave me and all of these things. And you've mm-hmm. like really understood almost like all of the different things that come with mental health and grief and all of these things. And like somehow of seen so much compassion for others to the point where you like want to help other people. And I think that that's yeah. like, cause it's a complex topic. It's even hard. Yeah. I, I like, haven't really spoke about much mental health on this podcast because it's a very difficult thing to navigate because yeah. there is so much 
there is, there's so much stigma and taboo around it. And, you know, we have hashtag bell let's talk, but then the actions that are happening within our society don't match up. Oh yeah. And like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like when people post like bell let's talk, I'm like, you bullied me in high school. What are you talking about? But yeah. oh, let's talk. Sure. But I think it's same thing. Like it's one of those really complex ideas that differs per person. Mm -hmm. And I think just being able to take into account, like whether it's a friend, a stranger, family member, just being able to not, you don't have to sit there and respond. Like just being able to listen and just being empathetic in the sense of, okay, I cannot imagine having to deal with this. And I feel like with the stigma going around with mental health, it can be really hard for people to come forward and talk Mm -hmm. about it but I honestly I genuinely believe that I think it's one of those things that needs to be talked about yeah and a lot of people are like you overshare and I'm like good because you know what like if I'm can be this open about my experiences and come from this even though I still have my faults you know I'm still I'm like people are gonna leave blah 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 like all these things That's also because of ex-boyfriends. So we're not going to get into that, but (laughs) yeah, we all have our internal scripts of the things we tell ourselves, whether you deal with some, like, you know, whether it's mild or severe mental health, you know, issues, like we all have those internal scripts. So whether you're a completely stable human being mentally or not, like like how, (laughs) then you're still going to have that. So, and not to say, I I feel like no one's mentally stable. And I say that as a joke. Uh, I feel like I need to quickly disclose that as like, I think most people experience a level of something there. And if you haven't yet, you may eventually will like, you know, that there's, I was actually just reading up on like postpartum depression and I've Mm. haven't had a child before. So I don't, I'm so scared about that. (laughs) Yeah. I can't speak on it, but I've learned so much about it. Cause I didn't realize like how so many women, like the hormones that are like now in your body and the baby you're taking care of a newborn. And there's just like this whole set of different fears that are along with this role of being a mother yeah. uh, it can create some serious like gnarly postpartum depression and anxiety and I just didn't even know like I never thought of it because I've never experienced it I've never thought about it right so I think like yeah. having that level of compassion and even though it's not your situation like I'm not pregnant not getting <laughs> pregnant anytime soon <laughs> that would require having sex <laughs> but you know like but the the thing is like I wouldn't be thinking about what mothers are going through you know and then I think I think it really does you you mentioned oversharing I think it bleeds into this like everyday life though of how like you can see this let's say you see a new mother and she's you know has her baby and her baby is screaming and the mother is like you can tell is about to burst into tears or you know she you can tell she's like frantically like what the fuck do I do and then you have that person and you might be that person because it's your instinct because if you don't have a baby you're probably just like shut that kid up you're in a public place (laughs) like please shut your child up and you don't think of what the mother is dealing with and I think that if we all had signs on our foreheads that said you know what we're dealing with we may not be such assholes but you don't have that Mm -hmm. so when you say, you know, you're oversharing and sometimes that makes people uncomfortable. I think it's also unfair for people to say that because if you, let's say, reacted to something, let's say maybe someone made a comment about, like you mentioned, you suffer from OCD a little bit. So um, I don't know why I said a little bit, you suffer from OCD. (laughs) So 
when people say, oh, I'm so OCD, like that for some people can be really frustrating because it's, it's taking like something that's very serious and making fun of it. So I think like little things like that, um, if someone has knowledge about who you are behind the scenes, like there's more compassion there. So that oversharing is already like, it's outdated because let's say someone acts a certain way and then you're like, oh, I wish they had just told me. Yeah. Well, are you willing to listen? Right. Are you willing yeah. to hear that? Cause if you're willing to hear that, but then you say that this is an, now an uncomfortable situation, you wish you didn't have this information. How is that fair? Exactly. And one thing I've learned in the past, I want to say year for sure is if you're uncomfortable, that's where you grow. Mm-hmm. You're not going to grow in your safe zone staying all like in a little box you're just gonna live your life sheltered no that's not how it works the only like the way you grow and the way you learn and educate yourself is by being uncomfortable when you feel uncomfortable in a situation okay like you know if someone's chasing on the street okay that's a different that's a different story but if you're like if someone's saying something that makes you uncomfortable question that think why does that make me uncomfortable and I think with even especially like studying sociology and stuff like that, you think you think of things in a different way, a more critical lens, whereas a lot of people are kind of just like they don't want to hear it because they want to remain with their own biases and their own opinions, which is yeah. fine. Everyone's entitled to their own. Um, but I do completely agree and think that when you are going to be having those conversations, you got to think about it and like put yourself in their shoes. Never, uh, they never underestimate what somebody's going through, mm-hmm. but also think about it in a way of, okay, if I don't listen to this, how am I going to get more knowledge? How am I not going to learn? Because I don't know, like I talked to my friends and my friends are like, oh, I don't know if you want to hear this. I'm like, tell me, because if I don't know about your subject and what you're on to talk about, how am I going to be able to converse with you and be able to give you opinions and thoughts mm, and feelings? Yeah. Regardless if I'm not a doctor, I'm not a doctor Google because I Google everything, (laughs) but like, uh, but it's one of those things where even my friends, like they understand if I tell them something, they're learning because they're like, oh, I didn't know about that, about depression. I didn't know about this. And it's all a huge learning curve. So I say, be ready to be uncomfortable and be okay with being uncomfortable. Well, well. even, yeah, like, I think that's so prevalent in current, like current times because, um, trigger warning for, I guess I have to put that out for anyone with mental health, sexual abuse, trauma, all those things. Um, if you need to exit the podcast, please do. So other ones are light and fluffy. This one's not. So, uh, in the current like climate, I feel like people are talking about sexual assault and people, Mm -hmm. the number one question is, well, why didn't, why didn't they report it sooner? And what people don't realize is when, when people experience trauma like that, the way that their brain processes it, sometimes they don't even know that they were assaulted until weeks, months, years later. Yep. And I don't think I realize that. And it's a way of protect the brain protecting itself from dealing with such hard shit and hard trauma that would, you know, it's almost like your body and your like physiology, like protects itself of not wanting to deal Uh with this. And there's a oh, book yeah. actually, I'm about to start reading it. I'm getting through another one, but it's called The Body Keeps Score. And it's all about these Ooh. things of how your body internalizes these traumas and these things that have happened to you, big or small. And I think that it's really interesting because even myself, I've learned 
through different experiences in my life, you know, the way that you can hold on to it is something you don't even, you're not even aware of until you start to let it go, let it go in, in terms of like dealing, like doing the deep work, doing the like trauma healing. It's not just like with time and a little prayer, it'll go away. (laughs) Oh yeah. And like, honestly, I can vouch for that. Like there were things that happened to me with sexual assault in high school that I didn't realize had happened until I was in second year university when I was like, I was hanging out with a guy and I was like, Whoa, hold on. Like, why am I suddenly like freaking out? Anxiety spiking. I'm sweating. I'm like having little flashbacks and I never realized like what it was until I sat down and I was like, interesting. Okay. So even that, like being so uncomfortable in that situation made me want to learn more about myself because I didn't even remember what had happened. Yeah. And I've had friends like same thing. Like we just don't remember what's happened. And when you talk about it, it, you you kind of piece things together. But again, like even when my friend passed, I genuinely don't remember the day. Yeah. And I think your body just kind of goes into shutdown mode, survive and just keep on going. Yeah. And the way that people can process that information differently, like the way that you, you know, let's say like there's like um multiple people part of that story. So like someone, another friend of his, the way that they learned of what had happened, they might remember that like, you know, specific by specific, like what day it was, what the weather was like, what time they got that awful phone call or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, you know? And for others, like you said, like for you, it's very, it's blurry. You don't really remember it. And I think that that's so important because I think that personal experience is so important to like, just acknowledge whether you want to take that for Bible and make it into laws and all those things, that's, you know, that's a whole other thing, but to like, hear someone's, someone's story and say, no, I don't believe you. I, I, it's hard to like it's hard to, I don't even know, like grapple with because yeah. I can't listen to someone's story and say like, did that really happen though? Yeah. And I can tell you firsthand when someone looks at you in the eyes and tells you they don't believe your story, it is a heart wrenching moment. I remember in high school, like a month before, this is going to get a little bit more into like the darker side, but I was in my own little mental health crisis like a month before. And I came to school like a day later after, cause I was just like, I just want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And everyone in school kept saying, she's clearly lying about what she tried to do because she's at school today. I mean, I just wanted to move on with my life. I was just yeah. like zoned out, like just doing my thing. And I remember my best friend's boyfriends, um, he was all supportive, but all of his friends were like, cause they were friends of my ex-boyfriend. And they basically were all like, oh, she's lying. She's doing this. She wants it for attention. She did that. I'm like, are you kidding? But then a month later when my friend, you know, took his own life, it was, oh my gosh, are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah. It's, you can't believe it. It's, I don't know how to word this, but basically it is, it's hard to not help somebody that needs support but only be there for them when something bad happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when you No, I totally understand. So like, you know, let's say someone is dealing like it, that's what it is. It's exactly that. Like when I, I remember this very clearly of like dealing with endometriosis, 
I would talk mm-hmm. about it with people I knew and stuff like that. And everyone just kind of like, oh, shit. And it just wouldn't be like a huge conversation. And then mm-hmm. I ended up in the hospital and it was like, oh, fuck, are you OK? And now yep. that's something physical, but it is similar to mental health in the sense that you can't see it. Yep. And it's stigmatized. Yeah, it's been overlooked by doctors for so long. One in 10 women with endometriosis kill themselves. Yeah, and that's that's heartbreaking, honestly. And like, I remember there was a night where I was in so much pain and I didn't know what was wrong with me that I called my father and I said, if you can't come here, I can't be alone because I'm in such pain and I'm being so overlooked by hospitals. Like, I don't know what to do with myself because- yeah. You know, there's, I I knew I didn't want to like take too many pains, but there was, it was getting to this point where you take three extra strength ibuprofens and nothing's helping you smoke a fuck ton of weed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just when you turn to everything that you're kind of told to do, you've got the heating pad, you've got the ibuprofen, you've got the weed, you've got the, you know, fucking CBD oil and like all (laughs) that shit and nothing's helping. And now you're having such severe anxiety around it of what's going on with me. When is this going to last? Like, how long is this going to last? Will it ever get better? Will I ever get answers? It, it, it drains you mentally as well. And I don't think yeah. people realize that. And when I was finally in the hospital and suddenly like, you know, things were happening, they're like, oh, fuck. And it's not, it doesn't mean the people that do that though are shitty either. And I think I that's agree. something that we almost like have to, like, you know, the guys that treated you like that were not in the wrong, like in the right, like they were, they were so wrong for doing that to you. But sometimes we can almost have compassion too of like, oh, they had no idea what mental health can look like, like almost just like high school boys. Yeah. Yeah. Not dismiss their behavior, but also remember that we're not talking about this. We're just starting to talk about it openly. So we can Mm -hmm. kind of give some compassion that they just, they didn't understand. They didn't get it. And honestly, I feel like that's the majority of things like endometriosis. I have no idea what that's like to go through. Mm -hmm. However, I can sympathize with you and I can understand how hard and annoying that would be to go through Mm -hmm. because you have to like go through all these tests to figure out if you actually have it. And it's all these things. And it's like, just believe me that this happened. And like, this is what I'm going through. Like, why can't you just accept that? And again, I think that's just being able to look through like a more of a critical lens. If you ask me these questions like a few years ago, I would have been stone cold, like no answers, no emotions, (laughs) nothing. But now it's more like, just embrace it. And look, when other people react a certain way, consider their life experiences. Yeah. Consider what they, what their knowledge is on the topic, because especially guys, like guys are very, sorry, men, if you're listening, but like, if they, sometimes they get very bottled up and they don't want to talk about emotions. They don't want to have feelings. And it's at the same time, it's, like you need to, because that's where you need to grow. Like it's yeah. one of those, it's, it's hard, but yeah. I and like definitely... men have hormones too. So for men to yeah. say that women are so hormonal, it's so fucking backwards because like the hormones oh my that men experience uh, it's different. <laughs> are intense. Like they, you know, they go they through moves just as walls, much as we do. They literally <laughs> punch holes in the walls. Oh my God. I had this boyfriend in first year who dead ass destroyed his entire first year like place um him and his friends would, like punch holes in the walls take hockey sticks and literally like, put them through the walls and I just remember just like what the fuck is going on like I just remember genuinely like is this what boys do like I just yeah. I couldn't wrap my head around it and 
you know, in hindsight, those men were in a lot of pain that I feel like have only now started to like, you know, they're coming back mm-hmm. around on the DMs telling me their sob story, <laughs> but it's just one of those things of like how much we're all on our own, I guess, journey, but also like you can mm-hmm. not know about something and not be a fucking asshole. And that's yep, the thing. And 100%. I think that like, yeah, I, I just remember like university specifically, like second year of university, it seemed on the outside, I had it okay. And mm-hmm. I went to a mental health like facility at Western to seek out help because I was seriously they struggling. There. They told me I wasn't suicidal enough to g- gain their services. Wow. And I I I remember calling my mom and saying, what if I was fucking suicidal? Yeah, that's, and you know what, like hearing that makes me so upset because when I was in, well, last year, fourth year, Mm -hmm. a bunch of shit was going down, like in the beginning of the school year. And there was a day where I was really low borderline. I was having suicidal like ideations, like just thinking about it. Um, Personally, like I haven't felt suicidal since high school. but I still have those thoughts that come but you along. Get those, like, just... For people to understand if they don't haven't experienced yes. this, it's more of like almost like I can't do this anymore. I just want the pain to go away. Not mm-hmm. like this plotting a plan of like, I'm going to take action to end this. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. And I found like, I was just kind of going through my mind, like, oh, you know, like if I did this, it'd be easier. I wouldn't feel like this anymore. But then you think about it and you're like, no, I can't. But I remember I went to the, I was in, I was working at the spoke and I remember I went upstairs after my shift and I was just like, I I can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I need to just tell somebody what's going on in my head. I go to sit up there and they go, hi, are you here for emergency counseling? I was like, yep. And they go, oh, they're on lunch right now. Can you wait an hour? I look at them. I go, absolutely not. I cannot wait an hour. And they're like, okay, well, they're not back for a while. And I just literally middle of the floor, just collapsed or crying and they were like oh my god why why call it emergency services if you're not going to be there and the the operator's like yeah so like (laughs) your car accident we're on lunch right now (laughs) there's so many days police officers don't get lunch so it's like (laughs) no that's that's what's so ridiculous it's just like how can you call yourself like emergency mental health services but then not take the urgency that comes along with the name of it yep I was just sitting there and I was like I cannot go home right now so I waited and I waited took two hours two hours and by the time they got there I left because I was like I'm fine now wow yeah I was able to talk myself down it's crazy I've never talked about this and I don't think any of my friends know this. So this will be a little <laughs> bit more of a vulnerable position, but in grade 12, it was my last year of high school and I was going through it and I just had this day where I was like, it, it was getting very dark, darkest I've ever mm-hmm. gone. And I skipped school and I, I texted like a girl I knew that was like this very like cryptic text, I guess something mm-hmm. about like, I can't do this. And then I just like, didn't answer her after this kind of thing. And she ended up calling my guidance counselor who then called the cops and they found me at the mall is <laughs> kind of funny because like, I kind yeah, of, I, like, I was I'm going, sorry. it is, it's kind of funny now in hindsight, because like, 
I think I look back and I'm like, God, you're such a stupid fucking teen. Like, just like dramatic. Like, I really was just so dramatic in certain like. Weren't we all? <laughs> right. Like, I, I yes, I was in the t- in the moment. It felt so real, but to look back on it, it was like just not. Like, imagine, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm so thankful yeah. that nothing had happened because how fucking stupid would it have been? But. Not that there's any right reason, you know. You know what I mean. Anyways, I know what you mean. I feel dumb for insensitive, but like also, I'm just looking at myself. I'm like, ugh. But I self reflection. We love it. (laughs) Self awareness is key. So I'm in the mall. I literally remember being specifically in the Calvin Klein underwear like area, and two cops literally were like, "Are you Courtney Croucher?" And I was like. Yeah. And they literally had to do like a mental health check because my guidance counselor called and I don't know what it was though. It was a really incredible experience actually to have them come and talk to me. And, you know, I I've had some like weird feelings towards our society's like way of dealing with mental health, but the Mm -hmm. way that these two cops approached me and the way that the conversation went was honestly so beautiful. Like it took, yeah. I think it took my, it snapped me out of it. And I, what I realized was that I actually did just want a cry for help. Like I wanted to verbalize that I wasn't doing well. I actually wasn't in that state of like wanting to just end it all. And having that conversation with them like made me realize this and the way that they dealt with it was very, very like kind and generous and just I, I don't even know how to explain it. I didn't even feel embarrassed. Like at, at first I was like, oh God, this is mm-hmm. horrifying. But through conversation, it was just like, oh, we're all just people. Like yeah. it brought me to this, like such a like human, humanized, like, I don't know, feeling of togetherness in the world. Like just for a moment until you got back on the highway and someone, you know, cuts you off and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, like, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, but it was just that one moment of just like, oh, we can help each other. And I don't know this person. He doesn't know me. And we're just like chatting Mm -hmm. about some dark shit. Yep. And honestly, like, I'm glad you had a good experience with the police about that because I've like, there's been so many situations that can come in the news and whatnot about everything. And Mm -hmm. I think mental health, honestly, overall, it affects every human, whether it's you, your family, your friends, and a person of person that you know, whatever it is. Like, no matter who you are and where you are, you know of somebody that has been affected by mental health or mental illness. Even like, even if you just know about Robin Williams, that one spoke volumes. Yeah. Like, that was, that was huge. That's still like the fact that you brought him up, even to like, it's 2021. How many years ago was that? And it's like still a significant example. Like, it is still talked about. It is still mourned and like grieving over like as a society mm-hmm. I think people are still like it still makes me upset thinking about him you know it's heartbreaking and honestly I just I genuinely think like the more open that we can be and the more vulnerable we can be not, even not just with everybody else but even with yourself mm-hmm. like it took years for me to realize what was going on inside my head it took me yeah. years to realize what was in my heart and like what I was carrying with me mm-hmm. and I'm not perfect. I have my first new therapy appointment on the weekend. So I'm excited about that. But thank you. Um, But I think just being able to really dive in and reflect on yourself and not even like what you're feeling, but why you're feeling it. Yes. Yes. That's huge. I think like that's, that's it. And I think 
I guess I can pass off in a piece of advice for anyone listening that has, I'd say it's like severely helped me because it is something where, so my doctor didn't give me, I didn't work with doctors enough to understand my mental health issues. Like Mm -hmm. my classified anxiety and depression, I have no idea. I just know that they like basically said like, sounds like you're like you're clinically depressed essentially is kind of what they said to me, but I don't even know what that yeah. means. Like, I don't know. I don't know what stages there are. I have no fucking clue, but yeah. all I know is my, honestly, like I really don't. And I don't, I don't care to talk to them about it. If that makes sense. Like I almost don't need don't that like you. label. I don't, I don't, I just want to feel okay. Right. So, yeah. um, so when I was seeing a therapist, I, I saw this one therapist, um, from second year till actually last like December like I actually broke up with him around Christmas time um you kind of grow your therapist plot twist um (laughs) (laughs) I literally like ended my friendship with my therapist yes so he always told me something very interesting though and I think it helped me especially like a lot, some of the, some of these situations I was experiencing was more situational. So Mm -hmm. he would say like, okay, so all of this is happening. If you had each of these individually, oh, excuse me, occurring, then I've been having like hiccups since I had that glass of wine on and off. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm like actually dying. It's fine. We're fine. Um, if, he said, if you have these, like each individual thing, you would be able to handle it effectively. But mm-hmm. if you, it, because it's all happening at once, it feels overwhelming. And he's yeah. like, how can you split it up? You know, like, let's say like your car broke down and you failed a test and now your boyfriend broke up with you and your mom yelled at you. And, and it's just like this never ending fucking thing that it feels like the world's yeah. against you. You know, he said just this thing of like kind of separating them and seeing how you can handle them individually. And that was always yeah. so helpful to me, whether it actually fixed how I was feeling, you know, physically, it, it did bring me out of this, like, maybe there is hope. And I think that the part of depression that people, I would say like say, but overlook is that loss of hope and hopelessness. Yeah. It's a real thing. Like you sometimes like, I don't know. I like there's different spectrums with depression. Um, And for anyone that's like listening, obviously if you feel like you have anything, talk to somebody and just, Cause you never know where you're going to be at what's going on. It might just be a bump in the road for the month. It could be something that you might mm-hmm. deal with for years to come. And I think with being able to deal with it, when you said like separating them individually, mm. it genuinely does help a lot yeah. because when there's like shit going down, like, Oh, you just have, you <laughs> have to compartmentalize certain things yeah. and just be able to break it down and not let your emotions get the best of you but there are going to be days where you're going to wake up and you don't want to get out of bed and you have all these feelings and when you feel that happening for days on end that's when yeah i could be like okay now it's going to be it's a pattern it's happening in the last three days i've not wanted to get out of bed i'm going to be completely honest and i have a job i have a full-time career and i genuinely was like no i'm just not in the mood today still i can't wake up i can't get out of bed Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the thing is like, it's this weird thing of like, I am not, I I don't know. It's this, like, I'm in a numbness right now of this pandemic. 
Um, I feel like I'm emotionally (laughs) turned off. Like I just like, I don't have the capacity. Um, and I think that's it is like, I just don't know how to handle each day and it's very difficult, but for anyone who's experiencing that feeling of not wanting to get out of bed and now it's, it's this, like, it it literally feel, it can feel like getting out of bed is the hardest thing you have to do that day. Like no matter what it's, it's like the, it feels like the world is weighing on you and you're trying to like lift 800 pounds off of you to get Mm -hmm. out of bed. Like, it's just the hardest thing. And I think the only thing I can say that has helped me get out of it. And it's usually like, it takes a few days or a week or two weeks to realize, oh, maybe I'm going through something here. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say like waking up, making your bed and hopping in the shower of like, there's something there, at least for me that has helped me get out of bed. And I'd say like, kind of clear the space. Like if you make your bed, you can't get back into bed. (laughs) And I think that it like, it It helps. helps. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't fix the thing. It's not, you know, if you're experiencing some things, you know, it it is best to seek professional help. However, Mm -hmm. sometimes you know, for me, I I don't seek professional help all the time. So these are little methods that I kind of go back to, to keep me in a good place. Yeah. And honestly, if I can add on to that, I find there's days like depression's never linear. No No. mental illness is linear. And some days I get up and I'm like, oh, I can do this, but I can't brush my hair. It's like, why can't I? Yeah. But so I found like little like the night before, if I have the energy to do it, like leaving little sticky notes around, like reminding myself of like just Drink little water. affirmations as well as drinking water. Yeah, honestly, or being like just putting your beautiful on my mirror, oh, just like sweet. having those things just around you yeah. and making the bed definitely helps. Like if you forcing yourself out of bed some days is treacherous and all you want to do is just get back in there, make the bed, you feel put together. That also might be my OCD talk. No, it's literally me. I swear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I swear. It's like my number one thing. And even I'm, I'm struggling with it during COVID right now because I have a very flexible schedule. Like I can work when I choose to work. So I'm in this weird place of like, I could stay in in bed till noon if I really wanted to. And like my thing, I have a weird complex with like early mornings. Like I love being an early morning riser. But when I go through states, my sleep starts to really dwindle Mm -hmm. with like my Mm -hmm. insomnia starts to kick back in and it's a whole fucking mess. So I do find that like, like I'm someone who needs seven hours sleep minimum. I can't wake up if there's not seven hours minimum. Uh, When I started smoking weed actually for endometriosis is where that came from. Like I realized how, how much my body needs sleep. And then, and like a lot of my mental health issues that came from, high school to second year was actually from severe sleep deprivation because I was not sleeping. Like truly I was living off of maybe three hours of sleep every night and no one knew. It messes you up and you don't even realize it. I didn't know until I started sleeping. (laughs) Like dead ass. Like I started smoking weed for my endometriosis pain and I started sleeping well. And I'm like, I feel like a new bitch. And then it was like happening every day. And I was like, I am significantly happier. (laughs) Like what is going on here? Yeah. You're just less irritable. Like you're less anxious. Like it's literally Mm -hmm. a crazy thing. Yep. And honestly, I am pro weed, marijuana, cannabis, whatever the F we want to call it. Yeah. Love it. God bless it. Thank you. Um, I just, I think it is really interesting though. Like when you think about 
different ways to kind of go about mental illness. It's mm. because most of the time, like some people, like there was a period of time where I would use alcohol or marijuana to cope with what I was going through. And when you take a step back and you realize like, okay, I'm masking something as well. Yeah. And when you look at your daily life, like I wake up and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to, you know, do my, I do Duolingo every single day. I try to learn Italian. Really? Do, have like a little, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I need to, I'm going to add that to the list of things to do. 2021 goal. Learn how to speak kind of Italian. Not That's fluent, hilarious. Kind of. Okay. I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> yup. And I was even going to say to the listeners, like, I to this morning, for example, I didn't want to get to bed, whatever. I put my YouTube up and I put on a workout, 20 minute workout. I got through 10 minutes of it and I said, you know what? I did it. At least yeah. I tried, did my thing. And like, just I didn't really enjoy it, but it was just being able to know that I was still capable of moving my body, still mm. capable of utilizing yeah. my health. And like, I started looking at my things I'm grateful for. And mm. I was like, you know what? I'm grateful for the fact I can utilize my body and be able to use my mind daily. And so I'm going to try and put that into effect and it did help. It did boost my mood, but I think it's just finding that inner, inner will to go and do it. It sounds, it feels impossible. Like today I didn't work out. Honestly, I chose to, it was like the first day that was like really warm and sunny. UV rays were five. So I literally (laughs) was in my bikini from like one o'clock till literally dinner time, like six o'clock. And so jealous. I tanned the entire time. I had two glasses of wine. I watched TikToks. I called my friend. Like I just kind of took a mental health beat. And I think it's what I needed, even though like my slight internal thing is like, oh my God, it's eight o'clock and you haven't worked out. You didn't get your 10,000 steps in. You didn't like, I'm, I'm telling myself all the things I didn't do, but honestly, I feel really relaxed. Like I almost needed that day to just fucking be and just check in with yourself, figure out what you need. Cause some days all you need is a you day to be alone, do your thing. I played Sims for eight hours one day to make myself <laughs> feel better. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. It's true. Escape into your little fantasy world. It's really you know? hard for me. I don't know if you experienced this, but like I'm someone who is booked by the hour. So mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to choose to do a you day that is exists of nothing. Like if yeah. I have a you day or like a, what I mean is a me day, um, like let's say like Saturday is a day off for me. I will book that up with all the things I'm going to do on my day off rather than Mm -hmm. like just literally hang out and like do my thing. Yep. Oh, a hundred percent. And like the last week or so has been a little bit like up and down for me because I've been moving to my new place, going to go back to the college, whatever. There's a whole couple of things to deal with, (laughs) but it's like, man, I had one day. I was like, it was Saturday last week. I just did nothing. I genuinely fell asleep on my sofa and like did not. Those do naps anything. hit the hardest. After you smoke weed too. Oh Ooh. yeah, it's. Oh, I was out cold for four hours straight. I woke up and I was like, "Good morning, Baltimore. It's me. I'm ready to go." That ass. No, exactly. That's literally it. And I like. I love when you're like, when that happens by accident. You're like. God damn, I needed that nap. Like that <laughs> felt good, honey. Oh my God. Yeah. I, 
It's funny. I think I need to prioritize more of that. Actually, like the days that I spent in 2020 when we were on like, whatever, our first lockdown of three and things were like really scary. No one was going out all of that. Yeah. Um, I got to this place where like I was unemployed. I was doing like nothing. I had, no- I was just crying like all day, every day. And I went through this start where I was like, you know what? I'm going to start Real Housewives from like season one and go through like each franchise of How Real is Housewives. that? I have never watched that show. You haven't seen it? No, it's on my list of things to watch. Girl, get to it. New York. New York's the best. <laughs> New York? Okay. New York and the that. newest one, Salt Lake City, is fucking iconic. Ooh. It's Mormon City. Ooh. Girl, you know about me and my like Mormon mommy blogger fantasy. I listen to see Sophia with an F podcast. So she's from Utah and she talks about the Mormon community yes, and how yes. she jumped in front of you, the house. Like that's where Salt, Salt Lake City is, is Utah. Yes. And Oh my god, Heather Gay is my absolute favorite person. They only have oh one season, like is the first season just finished, so you should watch that one because it's quick. Oh my god. Um, okay, I'm adding it to my list right now. Oh, it's so I'm good. So but yeah, I literally watched like whatever 12, 13 seasons of New York City. And honestly, like those days were kind of the best. Like I would wake up at like 10 o'clock. And I would intermittent fast, but I would intermittent fast. And by the time I woke up, my intermittent fast would be over because I would eat dinner early and wake up late. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So I would wake up, I would like work out and I would do like a really hard workout because I was doing these like workout programs. And then I would shower, make food and watch Real Housewives the rest of the day, maybe add a tan in there. I would literally bring my iPad outside to like tan while watching it. Like I literally just chilled the fuck out and honestly that was some of the best weeks of my life to just like be because I don't take rest days I don't take vacations so I do think that this pandemic I think this third lockdown is really testing what I learned last year because I'm not I feel like we should be out of this we should be I should be like you know stable in this I should be moved out of my parents house I should be moving on with my life I should be dating Mm -hmm. right now like I have all these shoulds of this expectation that I'm a year post-grad and I should have a certain life that looks like, you know, all these different ways. But the fact is we're still, we're in lockdown. We're in a third lockdown. Yep. And honestly, like if you asked me a year ago, if I'd be sitting here right now doing what I'm doing, I would say effing crazy. There's no way, you know? And I genuinely thought I was going to be staying at my parents' house for the next like two, three years. I was like, okay, I'm down for that. Cool. No, no worries. And then everything just turns. And I'm actually still in awe with the fact that I was able to move during a pandemic. Yeah, it's that's just, wild. and it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I just honestly, I think that when you look at things in the whole picture, we always have these expectations of like, where we should be where we could be what we like, what we wish we didn't do in the past. Like, obviously, we all have our regrets in the past. I know I had a few fun years in the university. But, um, you know, like, it's one of those things where you just you can't blame yourself for any of that. And I think it does add to the mental health aspect 100% because you ride on yourself for not doing this, or you should do this, blah, blah, blah. Like when I skip a workout, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to gain five pounds. That's what Definitely I'm going not- through right now. Today, I'm yeah. like, my mental game was just like, mm-hmm. I, I was in a bikini all day and I'm just like, you should be working out right now. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be eating this. Like it just is toxic. It's not good. It's not productive. 
no. And it honestly, it hurts you more than you do good. Like I remember I dropped 25 pounds within four months one year. Like that's not okay. Like that's not so thin. And you know what? Not a single person asked me like what was going on. And I honestly, everyone kept telling me I look great. And so in my mind, I was like, I look amazing. I just remember like, and I look back now how to tell you, you are so skinny. I don't know how to say like, are you okay? Like, I don't, you know, cause you don't want to offend somebody, but I also remember just seeing you and being like, I have never seen you this thin in my entire life. Yep. And looking back on pictures, I'm like, how did you do that to yourself? And I talked to my friends about it openly now. I'm like, I definitely was struggling with something. Mm -hmm. I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but like, there was definitely like thoughts there. And everyone, every single person was like, no, I wanted to say something. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, if you had said something to me, I probably wouldn't have taken into consideration because I was like, you know what? It was the only time in my life where I was living. I had a guy, I had an attractive guy by my side. I had a bunch of friends. That's not what I want. I wasn't happy with myself. Yeah. External I think you almost like aren't... as much as I wish I could have taken that like painful time away from you. I also was just yeah. as a friend to you as well. It's like, how do you tell someone you care about who seems to be doing really well, like from a surface level, like, and I remember I would ask you like, how are you? Like, I'm great. How are you? Like you would put on that, like, yeah, I don't think you <laughs> knew you were struggling. And that's the thing no. is like, if I told you like, Alexa, like, are you, are, is something going on? Like, are you okay? I think you would have been like, yeah, I'm fine. What do you mean? Like, I think you would have dismissed it because you weren't, it wasn't acknowledged by your own self and that's where it's difficult. And I think that like, I don't have any advice for anyone when to step in and when to not, because it is a very uncomfortable position of like, I think if it had gone a little bit longer, but I remember like talking to you about it and you started to become like cognizant of it. It's like, okay, she's starting to realize it herself as well. Like you kind of have to feel out the situation because you don't want if someone's really struggling with something too, sometimes people will be like, well, I don't want to be a bother. And then they shut themselves out and you never want that. Yep. And yep. And now, honestly, that was me. I genuinely believed I was fine because I didn't want to be not fine. Yeah. And I was like masking it with all these different things, like with my whole lifestyle. And I was mm. just, you know, just doing my thing. And I never really realized what repercussions of what I had done to myself mm-hmm. mentally and physically and for my advice for anyone trying to step in because like I remember my friend before my ex like best friend whatever she was going through her own things and she was always like very jealous of the way I looked so I kept thinking like why but it didn't, took me a while to realize that the way I see myself is not the way people Absolutely. see me yeah and being able to kind of like sit down one day and look at myself in the mirror. It only, it only stuck to me when my dad was like, you look frail. Hmm. And I went, huh? I've heard skinny. I've heard thin. I've never heard frail. And that's when I kind of kicked in. I went to Vegas and I, I think I gained weight back from the booze, but <laughs> that's when I kind of was like, we got to just, we just got to do our thing. Just, you can't restrict yourself that much and pretend it's not happening. Yeah. And like, you're close with your parents too. And I think like your dad saying that, like, I think it spoke volumes to you a lot more than someone, who, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you know, from school and things like that, because like, it is one of those things where like, we got, we got deeper more in the last year than we really have as friends in uni. Like we went out together. Yeah. We didn't really talk about yeah. a crazy deep shit. Right. So 
it is kind of funny how not funny it's ironic how that that like can transpire of like I know like this girl seems to be suffering I don't know how to step in because it's not my place but I want to help her and it is a really weird thing to do and I'm I would just say for, for anyone who's in that position on either side is just to like ask for help when you need it and also if you're someone who's on the flip side like ask questions just say like that they're okay especially how do they feel you know what did you like you know what's your I I would like ask really specific things too if it's like Mm -hmm. eating disorder wise of like you know what like what have you been doing as workouts if they say they work out a lot and things like that because I think that there you can kind of start to crack the Mm -hmm. missing pieces there and you may lead them to them figuring it out themselves too like just asking questions and being like inquisitive not interrogated like a full-on interrogation but like (laughs) light on the table like listen to me (laughs) listen to me like tell me what's going on yeah literally but like I think there is a way to approach it where you're just like yeah and like like do you feel strong do you feel healthy like yeah, you know what's going on with you I, I mean it's an uncomfortable thing to ask people but I think if you it's uncomfortable in that situation either way so you might as well yeah. try to gently approach the conversation rather than also being accusatory because that's when you can burn bridges because that person's not yep. willing to listen yet yep and honestly I feel like the last year I've been a lot more open and I think the reason why like I've been able to get a little bit more deeper into like mm. topics and whatnot especially like with my friends is because I become more self-aware and like just being able to kind of realize okay clearly this was not what it should have been like or whatever yeah yeah exactly like even just saying that you acknowledge like your partying habits from when you're in university like I think a lot of people go through that I know I've gone through that and I Mm -hmm. mentioned that I had two glasses of wine earlier like that's my I, I this is my first time drinking in over three months now so I, yeah. I took a minute to be like really question my relationship with alcohol and literally like just figure that out and be self-aware of like what is all what is this all about you know and be just like I'd say staying curious with like how you act and what you're doing and why you feel that way and things like that and I think having that like gentle approach mm-hmm. with yourself is really great and I'm so proud of you for how long how far you've come in your own journey and I literally see like a different version of you so it's really beautiful to see because I I am so proud of you yeah thank you yeah it's been one hell of a year let's put it that way and like obviously I came to you with the breakup and stuff back in so that was a whole another ordeal like that really took me a few steps back but um, I think it propelled you forward like an arrow like I really do think it like it was two steps back but three steps forward and I think that that's what that's what I'm trying to remember too, is trusting the timing of your life. Like, I think that if that hadn't happened when it did, you wouldn't be where you are today. You wouldn't be no. entering, uh, whatever it is. What is that called? Like, please college. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what this is called. Shout out to the police college for the vaccine though. Oh, did you already get vaccinated? I got my, I got my shot. Yeah. Bitch, I would bend over for a vaccine at this point. <laughs> I also I think just, I COVID test three times a week now though so that's don't think you're being penetrated I, in your nose more than I have been an entire year <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's rough Honestly. it's rough out here I just want to be vaccinated I just want to live like a hot girl summer <laughs> you're crying. You know, I was gonna say something but it might be a little too far it's you're a strategic slut <laughs> 
okay true they do they do anal swabs instead if you don't want it up the nose oh my god i heard about this i didn't know if this was actually true though <laughs> yeah <laughs> i haven't done it but they asked me and i was like whoa i'm okay thank you i mean some people might do it just to feel something you know I was gonna say, like, just bend over on all fours, be like, just let me feel something, please. Let me just feel something. <laughs> really, really, tick, really tickle it in there. Yeah. I can't. Oh my god, I've never even done anal, which is so funny. <laughs> I have. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> it did. Can you see my mental health spiraling? I'm kidding. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's all fun. It's so funny because, like, I. I, it's funny because I love it's these conversations, but though. I'm like also just want to talk about dicks sometimes, you know? Like sometimes it's just like I love the deep shit, but Me also too. Yeah, it's so funny. But honestly, I feel like we have to wrap it up and we didn't get to talk about friendship breakups, yeah. but we're going on That's, like yeah. 70 minutes. So I feel yep. <laughs> like we had more to talk about mental health than we realized. This is what happens when you don't plan yep. podcasts, but also that's why conversations are so incredible. Yep. So we'll have to come like that we'll was have to come on for part two for friendship breakups. For sure. I got a lot of tea on that stuff. Okay. So. Yeah. No, come on for part two. <laughs> I want you to come on for part two. Guys, yeah. if you have any questions, actually, that's what we're going to do. If any listeners have any questions about friendships, friendship breakups, things like that, maybe you can send them in. You can email me. I'll put like a thing on Instagram uh, for you guys to put in your questions, situations, things like that. And then maybe we can cover them on that episode. Uh, Cause I feel like that would be cool to kind of have an engaged sure. audience. So um, yeah, if you guys have any situations, let us know. And Alexa, thank you so much for coming on. This was such an incredible podcast episode. I feel like I want to leave the audience with like one final remarks from you of something that may help them in the conversation of mental health. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. That was, it was a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoy talking about everything and anything at any time. Um, if I could say anything to the listeners, I would say when it comes to mental health, stay true to who you are and know what you need. You don't rely on anyone else. And at the end of the day, find try and do your best to find inner peace and be able to reach out to individuals and really understand why you feel these ways rather than blaming yourself for feeling these ways because it's not your fault. Ooh. And you are always enough. Yes, you are always enough and the world <laughs> cannot go on without you. So if you no. guys need to hear that, I hope it helped. And I think that, you know, my final remarks in, in terms of mental health is that it's okay to not be okay. And it sounds fucking cliche, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things of like, we're going to go through the ebbs and flows of life. And this year has been very rough on everybody. It's been a toll of a year on a mental health scale, but also... Oh. You know, people are going through actual some severe grief of losing actual family members, losing careers and all these things. There's a lot of loss. Um, so as much as I talk about the gains that have come out of this pandemic, trying to stay on a very optimist note, I also never want to lead with toxic positivity. Oh my God, I can't speak anymore. Positivity <laughs> and dismiss the harm that has come from this year. So if you're going through something please reach out to a friend, a family member, a professional um, team, community services, things like that. Um, because you are worth it. You deserve to be here. You are enough and the world is better with you in it. So with that said, Alexa, can you plug your handle where anyone can find you and things like that? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So my only public account is on Instagram. It is at lavishly underscore Lex. And um, yeah, I don't know if I need to spell that out or anything, but it's lavishly underscore Lex. Um, that's where you can find me. But yeah. Awesome. I will have that linked below yeah. as always. And Guys, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, share it on your story on the IG at the Not So Average Betch and at Strategic Slut. And as always, love yourself, love others, and wash your fucking hands. I'll see you next week. Bye, guys.